0: Cheerscast is part of the Fire and Water Network. Now, I want you to know that what you just said out there just now set my heart to pounding. Boy, one thing's one knows oneself, but all those preconceptions fly out the window when
1: the man in your life says, "I love you."
0: Who said that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you it. Oh, geez, honey, don't worry about that. That doesn't mean anything. It doesn't?
0: Ah, I've used that as a line on a hundred girls. You've never said it to me.
1: Were you kidding? I wouldn't waste a line on you. Now, what I mean by that is, is
0: you're not the kind of girl that you use a line on. You're the kind of girl that falls for sincerity. (laughs) I don't mean that either.
1: Making your way in the world today Takes everything you've got Taking a break from all your worries Sure would help a lot Wouldn't you like to get away? Welcome back to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm Ryan Daly, and this episode, my guest and I are covering Season 2, Episode 10, How Do I Love Thee, Let Me Call You Back, which notably features Diane singing the Bob Dylan song, Just Like a Woman. So, because of the Bob Dylan connection, I just had to get the executive producer of Bob Dylan on the show. Please welcome David Ace Gutierrez.
0: Well, you know, Fastballs really kind of an <laughs> underrated band. I mean, you really go back to their early work, you can see enough, you,
1: enough. Don't even. Play. I don't oh, okay, yeah,
0: right. I, thought I, I thought you were going to fade it at that point. No, thank you, Ryan, for having me back. I, I will, I will tell everybody. I insisted I do this one simply because of that very tenuous connection to my show, Pod Dylan.
1: <laughs> you called it like a year ago. <laughs>
0: I did. I was like, I no, I got to have that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like yeah,
1: there's, so. there's the, yeah, the episode when Diana singing. I was like, I, I remembered. I think that's in season two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, Rob has been on the show before, so uh, we're just going to dive into the synopsis. How do I love thee? Let me call you back. This episode is written by Earl Pomerantz, directed by James Burroughs. The original air date was Thursday, December 8th, 1983. Diane surprises Sam with a gift of two tickets to a Marvin Hagler boxing match on the condition that he brings anyone in the bar but her. Sam is so happy in the moment that he tells Diane I love you the first time he has actually said those words to her Diane is struck by the momentousness of Sam's admission believing it to be an important milestone in their relationship but Sam casually dismisses it saying the words I love you don't mean anything significant the dichotomy of their positions causes Diane to want to reevaluate the entire nature of their relationship which Sam has little interest in After the Hagler fight, Sam finds Diane drunk in her apartment, having spent the night drinking and thinking about why they're together. Sam and Diane agree to split up for one week so they can assess all of the pros and cons and nuances of their relationship, and whether or not they even should be together. Sam spends the week reconnecting with his old ways, going to strip clubs and all-night poker games with the guys, and Carla. What he doesn't do is think of why he's with Diane, but he believes he'll come up with a passable excuse when she asks. But when he and Diane finally talk, Sam confesses that he can't think of a good reason why they're together. This is crushing to Diane because she too failed to come up with a reason for their relationship. Desperate to keep her from leaving, Sam once again argues that it's pointless to overanalyze the relationship. The simple reason he wants to be with her is that he loves her. Or rather, he la. For some reason, Sam can't get the word out no matter how hard he tries. Diane takes it to mean the word love is no longer a casual thing to Sam. He actually means it with her. And that was the episode. So, Rob, what did you think?
0: I, this is a great episode. I mean, look, I, I will say that is even though it was Diane singing just like a woman, uh and I'll, I'll talk about why that's even remotely significant in a second. Uh <laughs> But uh, but I also knew that this was just a great episode. It's it's a, it's a classic Sam and Diane show. But yet there's a bunch of great jokes with the barflies. Uh, there is it features not one but two appearances by Harry the Hat, mm-hmm. who is my uh, outside of Al, my favorite support <laughs> cheers supporting. character. Character, uh, So, I mean, it's just a very, very funny show. It, it again, features another Cracker Jack performance by Shelley Long uh, as Diane, because she just is this perfect combo of adorable and annoying as all get out. I mean, yeah. just the bit where they go, I'm not to jump ahead, but the bit where they they're all back at Cheers and they're they're talking about they went to the strip club and they're being all, you know, guysy and stuff. And and then Cliff actually says, you know, Sammy, uh, it's actually uh, midnight now. And he's like, oh, come on, who would be nuts enough to show you Think she's going to show up here at midnight, Does do you? And then, bang, she walks in. <laughs> Hi, everyone. And you just. You just want to strangle her because you're like, are you out of your mind, woman? (laughs) And yet yet she's adorable. I mean, it's it's just uh, this is such a great episode.
1: Yeah, it was, um, it's, um, the fourth and final episode written by Earl Pomerantz. He did two in season one and then two in this season. And, and I think this is his last one. Um, going back to, cause you mentioned it, the teaser sees the return of Harry, the hat. This is the first time we've seen him since the big poker game episode. at the end of last season where they left him on pretty good terms. Um, but clearly in between in the meantime, he's, he's gone back to his old ways of basically robbing them and stealing them uh, from them. Uh, Because when he comes in, Coach found a gag gift, which is a fake (laughs) wallet where when you open it, it kind of bursts like fire comes out of it and everything. So they're going to set it up. Harry comes in and they make a big show of really overselling. This. Like, <laughs> anybody, to, to say nothing about a trained con man who's going to be suspicious anyway, but anybody would see this as something suspicious. But like, it, Sam says, you know, I'm I'm sorry I'm always throwing you out of here, so we give you a gift. And he says, oh, it's a wallet. And he's so gracious and he like gives Sam a big hug and everything. They're like, open it, open it. And, and of course, Diane, big Diane, has to be like, Harry, n- not so close to your face. And they're like, cover for it. They're like, yeah, let us all see. Harry opens the wallet, and he's like, wow, there's got to be 50 or $60 in here. This is great. And he's like, so thankful. He takes their hands, doesn't get a drink, and just runs right out the door, so gracious. And they're like, what happened? What went wrong? And of course, we saw this coming a mile away. Sam is like, did that wallet look familiar? And he takes out his own wallet, and the flames burst out. It's, it's a great little gag. I, I love it. It's punctuated when, when Harry opens the wallet, and he sees the money, and Coach is like, wow, it seemed funnier in the store. But- <laughs>
0: I don't even understand the physics of how that wallet works, by the way, but I'm not that smart. So <laughs> yeah. maybe there's some sort of weird Flint thing. Yeah. yeah but the, the, what, I, what I love about this bit is that it's – I mean, of course, you're always on the side of the Cheers gang because Harry is a criminal mm-hmm. and he is stealing from them. I mean, he's so charming about it. Harry Anderson was so good at it that you, you, didn't, you didn't get that upset. But it's the fact that the Cheers gang is kind of like asking for trouble. Like they're going after Harry, which they have to know is going to be a mistake. So it's like they're sticking their neck out, and then Harry's just you know basically punching them in the jaw for doing it. I just, I love it. I wonder why Sam is dressed like he's going fishing though. He's got that (laughs) weird (laughs) vest. It looks like he was about to go out fishing. I feel like this is like a a scene from an episode that they just you know cut out or something. It's he he's dressed weird, but yeah, I, I will never not laugh at Harry the Hat. I just love that character.
1: Yeah, and sadly, this is the last time we see him for a while because Harry Anderson would star on Night Court, which debuted on January 4th of 1984, less than a month after this episode came out. Oh, so wow. Okay. They were probably, I mean, I don't know when he filmed the pilot, but he was probably, I mean, he, I'm sure he had already been working on that, at least the pilot, before he was doing this one. So they were probably just lucky. They're like, hey, can we get you back for one last time? Um, well, maybe, I mean, they couldn't have known that Night Court would go for... Nine years, I think it was. Um something like that. Yeah. Longer than it should have, honestly. But it was I, I like the <laughs> show, but the last couple of seasons were <sighs> um but yeah. Did no. Cheers
0: lap Nightcourt? I think it did.
1: Uh, right? It yeah. Cheer-
0: it, I think Cheers Cheers was still in the air when Nightcourt went off the
1: air, so Cheers for probably, Cheers for, preceded
0: it and followed it.
1: For one more ye- for at least one year, because I think Wings came on
0: yeah, after because Cheers characters appeared on Wings. Yeah. So yeah. Wow. So he yeah, had cheers just completely enveloped Night Court's entire run. That's remarkable.
1: Unless unless Night moved to a different day, which possibly if it was Maybe, struggling the I last talk,
0: year. Too. Oh, I always remember it was on Thursdays. But yeah, I mean that's. I mean it's a shame that they couldn't. I mean, good lord, they could have. I mean. Harry Anderson wasn't that busy. I mean, I think they could have brought him back occasionally, but it's—I just love that guy. To me, it just—it makes—it gives Cheers that timeless quality sure, because Harry the Hat is such a Damon Runyon-esque character, <laughs> and he just. It doesn't exist like any other character you saw on television. So I just love that he's with his fedora and his cool ties and everything. It just, I just dig that character so much.
1: Just before it cuts away to the opening credits, there's a thing where Sam opens the wall. It's on fire. He drops it and they're, they're like Cliff, like tries to stop and put it out. He runs over to Norm. He's like, grab. He's like, use your beer. And he's like trying to tell Norm to douse it with his beer. And Norm shouts like, don't you dare, or something like that. That seemed to me almost like an ad lib amongst the actors. Like they just, Bros was just. Rolling the camera and giving them more stuff to do. Um, maybe that was yeah, scripted. I yeah. don't know, but that, that seemed to me like kind of like the thing that they're just they're acting until they're told to quit because that's where the credits would come in. But yeah, right, right. Uh, so then, yeah, once we get into the actual episode, it starts right away. Diane has these two. Um, going to call them patients but two um, customers who are on their way out we find out that one of them is a doctor and she really desperately wants to buy these tickets to, for them and of course they're not going to give her any sort of like charity or work or whatever they charge her $200 for the tickets or something like that um, and then just after she kind of like smart mouths on, on you know their what, what does she say she, I, when he when the guy identifies himself Phil Kepler Medical Corporation right at the checkout to that and she's like oh I thought I recognized that you know medical compassion or or something like that, and he plays on her insecurities. He's like, you know, if you come to my office, I could probably remove that thing on your face, really, in 20 minutes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Very nice. Yeah.
1: And then I think the perfect thing is she gives, the, she gives the tickets to Sam, and she should have known that it was a big deal, but even she is kind of, like, struck by how how impressed he is that she got the tickets and how everybody else is like, wow, there's a big deal.
0: Holy moly.
1: And, and, then, and then I love the fact that she's like, the, the one proviso of, this, of the gift is that you not take me or tell me about it at all and i think
0: that's a great she's a great girlfriend that's a really great present
1: and i really think so because i mean like she's got to know i mean how many times has he gone well he even makes it when she shows him the tickets he's like he's like oh don't tell me the norwegian woodcuts exhibit is back in town or something like that (laughs) how many times has she brought him to you know these uh, fairs and everything like that that she knows he doesn't like by now but she's willing to do two muscular guys touching fingers (laughs) exactly from the last one yeah yeah so it's it's great that she's willing to like give them this gift without the expectation that he has to bring her along and try to bring her into this world because she doesn't want anything to do with it um yeah. i think that's that's kind of an important realization for her that she should i i think it should inform their decision making later on in the episode but he says I love you. They go back in the office. He's he's changing. He's getting ready for like and I love like this is the world again where she gives him the tickets and he just like drops everything. It's like he has a job. He's supposed to be tending <laughs> the bar, but he's just getting
0: ready to, to leave. Good to be self-employed. <laughs> yeah.
1: If if he was going to take Diane with him, like then it would just be like short down a waitress and a bartender, but I guess it doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, Carla can handle it by herself. We 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 know that by now.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, we do. For six seasons she has to handle it by herself.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So then the whole thing sets up with her, you know, questioning the fact that he said "I love you" and what does that mean. It, it, it was I'm I'm gonna say the lines because they were almost my home run. But she's like, you know, when he says, you know, "I love it doesn't mean anything," I say that, and she's like, "Oh, so I get, that's just a line you say with the other women." And Sam goes, "I wouldn't waste a line like that on you." And she, she, her, her expression does not. Impress, so he's like, "Hey, hey, I didn't mean that. I mean, <laughs> you're not the kind of girl to use a line on." You're the type of girl who falls for sincerity. Yeah, and then he's like, I didn't mean that either. I just... <laughs> just
0: I think we've all been there. We're yeah. just yeah. burying ourselves deeper and deeper.
1: So yeah, they, they fight, but finally they relent, and he he leaves. He goes outside to find out like which one of the barflies gets to go because he's like, he's like, I'm gonna get dressed. You guys decide because everybody wants to go to the fight with him. He's like, you guys decide this amongst yourself. He has, like, this five-minute scene with Diane, and then when he comes back, you've completely forgotten about it, but they're all sitting there on the line. And it's like, and Norm just says, guess who cut the high card or something to go with you? And who is sitting amongst them with a smile on his face? It's Harry the Hat. (laughs) I love that. Tell me that is not the show that you are dying to see, A Night Out with Sam Malone and Harry the Hat.
0: Oh, I love the idea that they actually socialize together yes. like that's and I love the button that Harry does in the scene where he's like, I'll drive. What car do you want to take? And he pulls <laughs> yeah. out a hanger and I just love that. I just oh, man. Yeah, I would have killed to see a, a night on the town with Harry the hat. That would have been a hell of like a bottle episode for, for although I guess it would have been the opposite of a bottle. Right. bottle episode because It would have been all outside the bar, but that would have been. Oh, man, that would have been amazing.
1: It would have been like a Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, Fear and Loathing yes, in Boston thing. Yes, yes. Rotating completely. adventure of them driving around, stealing cars, getting into fights, getting kicked out of places because of
0: – Oh, you know they would have ended up in jail and then <laughs> Sam would have had to call Diane to bail him out or something. It would have been perfect. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: So uh, Sam goes back to Diane's apartment when she's drunk. And uh, what did you think about that moment?
0: I I, well, I mean, I will say, you know, I've and I've mentioned this on Pod Dylan a bunch of times. I didn't, quote unquote, discover Bob's music until 1990 or 89, 90. So, I mean, that's you know, a good 25 years after he uh, has been famous. I was I knew who he was, but I just wasn't a fan. I didn't know anything about the music. So it's sort of fun because I watched this episode when it aired. I watched Cheers as it aired. So it was sort of funny to go back and look at these things. And I'm like, did I know what that was in 1983? I'm sure I didn't. I knew that she was singing a song, but I probably didn't know the song. And so now I go back on it. You know, then I go watch Cheers again, you know, years later as a rerun. And I've since have become a fan. And then I go, oh, wow, Diane is singing Bob Dylan song. Now there's two things I want to mention about that. One, uh, in an age before, uh, the internet, where you couldn't just look this stuff up. The thing that I'm impressed by is that we actually hear Diane sing the second verse. She sings the chorus. She sings just like a woman. And then she starts to sing the next uh, uh, another part of the verb where she says, Queen Mary, she's my friend. And that's part of the song. Now, Earl Pomerantz or someone on the cheer staff had to have either been a fan of the song because they knew the words, or at the very least did some research, but that took a little effort back then. You know what I mean? I mean, there was a book of lyrics at that point, but again, it's not like you could just go to your phone and go tappity-tappity-tap and pull it up a second later. So to me, it indicates someone made an extra level of effort just to get Shelley Long to sing the second line, as opposed to just singing just like a woman. I love that. And then I also thought about and actually, I could see Diane being a fan of Bob Dylan, especially some of his stuff that had more literary pretensions to it mm-hmm. with his mentions of, of like... Uh, of Rimbo and things like, you know, the kind of highfalutin stuff that he kind of did. I could see her being a fan in some ways because it was very high-minded kind of stuff in a lot of ways. So I think it, I mean, you think of Diane and you think, oh, she probably just loves classical music and really, really high-minded stuff. But I could see her being into that. So I just, I love that detail that she gets drunk and then sings Bob Dylan songs. That's a, uh, I I just love everything about that.
1: I mean, I I imagine one of her, of the the endless like majors and studies that she took in college I'm sure she took a class in like beatnik poetry and stuff like that Allen Ginsberg yeah. and they probably yeah, had a section yeah. on on Bob Dylan but yeah I can I can picture her liking some of Dylan's stuff that uh, from that era and that time too yeah Sam comes in. He makes a number of jokes about like the candles and everything around the place. He's like, "Oh man! When I was a kid, I used to have nightmares about places like this." And I love the moment when she actually gets up. She walks over and she turns on the light. And he's like, "Woo! No bats!" <laughs> and then, of course, she says, "You know, she's been fight- She's been thinking the entire time about their relationship and if their relationship isn't deep enough that they can actually think about it and analyze analyze it. Then what's the Point of it, like why are they even together? Why are they pretending? And and he's, uh, you can tell like how well he, he's he's uncomfortable with that, but he agrees to go to you know they'll split up for a week and they'll think about it and he'll he'll really commit to that. I, I love it even I forgot at the beginning of it he comes back to her with a gift from the fight.
0: Oh, it's classic wrong gift for your girlfriend. It, it is
1: so bad. It's a boxing glove purse.
0: I love it. And I love the way she flops it at him, and she starts hitting him with it because she's she really does a good drunk. She's really really convincingly drunk.
1: Yeah, and she's like, how clueless can you be to such a Now I'm I'm I have given really bad gifts before at the worst possible time, so I'm not one to talk. But you just look at him, and it's like. In what world did you think that would be the right gift for Diane? (laughs) Yeah,
0: you could have stopped somewhere. I mean, clearly he bought that at the fight. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, You know, which I've never heard of. I've never heard of that you could get that. Like they have purses on sale at boxing matches. That's new to me. Not that I've ever been to one. But I mean, good Lord, on the way over to Diane's house, he couldn't have stopped at a department store. And maybe it was late. But I mean, yeah, I mean, he literally made no effort. He just bought something. I mean, you know, why not just get her a beer and some popcorn? I mean, it's just (laughs) such a dumb gift from Sam's part.
1: Yeah. So then a week later, you know, we see, you know, Sam has gone back and you, we kind of get a, a sense of what was the world like before Diane entered that bar. And it's, you know, like the gang and, and they, I love that they even bring Alan, who's like one of their tertiary guys, like the, mm-hmm. the latest tertiary guy to kind of like enter their urban. Um, he's around and they come back and they, they talk about, you know, they were at a strip club and everything. And I think this is the first time they mentioned by name the Combat Zone. And oh the, the strip bar yeah, yeah well it, it like it was sort of like it was the sort of the strip bar district of Boston for like a couple of decades um and it was actually Oh that's uh, a real thing? Yeah it was yeah it's, oh, it's not, it oh, doesn't exist oh. anymore but the combat zone was kind of like the nickname for kind of like a, a two or three block range um it's on it's on Boylston and between uh, I don't even remember the streets now, but I know the exact area because I stayed there. Like in 2014, um, I was teaching a a summer school class for ESL students, um, and we did we did a few days in Boston, so we were staying at a hostel. It is like right between Chinatown and the theater district. And for like, like the the '60s up until the '90s or early 2000s, like it was like the strip club district. Like that's all there were, were just like strip bars and everything like that. And eventually, the city made a concerted effort to like redevelop it and and change it. And now I think it's it's mostly been incorporated by Chinatown. When we went to Boston Common at at the Fan Expo, when we were walking through there, like if we had zigged when we zagged or something like that, we actually could have gone just like a few blocks down and, and been close to where it was. But Diablo Frank and Paquita met Darren and Ruth Sutherland for lunch there. Um, oh, my. At, at, like in what would have been this district, because um, they were telling about it at this Chinese restaurant that's an old converted feeder. Oh, that's and that place. De- they were describing okay. it. It was like, hey, yeah, you walk in this place and it looks like the opening of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And as they're telling me, I'm like, oh, my God, I've been to that exact same place. I know what you're talking about. When I was at the hostel, my window looked out at that place. I, I've eaten there. so wow. yeah, it was just kinda So, yeah, when when Coach mentioned the combat zone, and that comes up in a couple of episodes, they talk about it in the future. I'm like, yeah, that was a real thing at the time. That was like this, this seedy district of Boston.
0: Very nice. Little so, piece of verisimilitude. Yeah. Good job, Earl Pomerantz and yeah. Cheers writer. <sighs>
1: <laughs> and then, you've mentioned like they're talking about you know what what is Sam gonna say when he sees Diane? He's like I don't know, but you know what? He's like I I need the pressure. He's like what what did they always you know whenever I was struggling up at the mound during my baseball days? What was I known for?
0: <laughs> Giving up tape measure home runs, <laughs> <laughs> chasing <laughs> anything in a skirt, <laughs> yeah, drinking
1: until you fall down. He's like coming through in a clutch. Like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah! And they're kind of like a half-hearted, like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, good." Um. So when Diane walks in, they're like, "Mayday, Mayday!" Mayday cheering, I cheering. love
0: that. Oh, that's such a great callback that yeah. they did they start chanting because it's like they're simultaneously supporting him and mocking him <laughs> yeah, exactly at the same time, which is just classic. I love, I love that. I this the, the whole scene of them just hanging out together. I love, first of all, that they call Carla their leader because they talk about <laughs> like she she's clearly the troublemaker. They're talking about she was the one you know being and then she actually grabbed the the stripper's tassels and throws them to uh to norm which i really like but i love but yeah i I love how much they mock him i love giving up tape measure home runs which is like even when i was a kid i didn't know what that meant but i could get the context of like what do you need a tape measure oh you're measuring distance oh i see okay yeah all right i get it so
1: um, and I love when he, he so Diane comes in and you're right like, as you said earlier like it's like it's after, it's midnight who's going to measure it like a week to the mo- to the minute and of course yeah. of course Diane does so he has to come up with a reason to go back in the office to like scramble to think of a reason and he tells them like stall and Cliff starts coming up with a theory about how Cape Cod was formed geologically and Diane's like I don't want to hear this and she goes off and they're just kind of like waiting like you know sitting around there and, and Coach is like yeah, Andy like wants to hear Cliff's theory. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When uh, was it you? Was it just me when you hear Diane describing her assessment of their relationship? Did it sound like just a lot of gibberish?
0: Yeah, it's yeah, it, it's it's. There's no there's no real deep insight uh, to what, but she's like, you know, it's it's more than like, uh, uh, you know, there's a certain amount of bordering on affection and it's just it's nothing it's just it's yeah the, it, she's clearly vamping because she hasn't thought of anything either which is I love that that the show is sort of buying into the, that Diane is smart and I think if you listen for the first time you're like oh it sounds like she's going somewhere and then when you sort of retroactively find out that she didn't know anything either you hear that and you're like she had nothing either because it's just like it's 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 more than like what's that really that took you a week to come up with
1: yeah the first time i listened to it i was like okay okay i'm getting it you're because like the whole setup is you're waiting for what sam is gonna say and then it was really when i was like studying when i was listening to this i was like this doesn't mean anything i was like this is
0: no this it's is, not
1: yeah. i mean
0: I, I mean i think anyone who watches cheers can figure out why these two are attracted to one another and like the fact that they can't figure it out is the one of the more tragic things about their relationship and then of course the whole notion that diane is so clueless as to what sam Needs and what he can provide, like giving him a week. To think up the theory of their relationship is just so not what Sam Malone is about. And the fact that she can't see that is simultaneously hilarious and also tragic because you're just like, you, this is not, no, that's not what he's That's not what he's about. He'll never be about that. And if you're going to keep expecting that from him, you're only going to be disappointed because he's not. Oh, and by the way, when she does her little speech, she does a little bow. (laughs) Like she's like, oh, she's like a teenager and she's like, thank you. And she just is like, she's, again, she's adorable. completely clueless and then of course Sam has the ultimate retort back to it where you know he thinks he's really come up with something genius
1: (laughs) yeah which is just ditto
0: you know, I love that. And he and he points at her. <laughs> yeah. He gives a very extra emphasis. And he's, and then he sits in the chair like he's the cock of the walk. And like he's just like, hey, man. And then he's like, you're just jealous that I came up with it instantly, and he took a whole week to come up with that. Like it's like he's so cocky, and he and he doesn't figure out that he has to make more of an effort because this is meaningful to her. Like he can't figure that out. It's like the, I very rarely has a show been able to skate on the razor's edge of. Real tragedy, because in a lot of ways, you're just like these two just don't belong together, and they're fighting so hard to stay together. But yet, as you've mentioned in almost every episode of the show this far, these two actors have such unbelievable chemistry that you almost buy it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I have tried to use the ditto thing like back in like a junior high presentation. I remembered it from this, and I, I tried to like, get away with something, and and my teacher wasn't any more impressed than Diane was.
0: Someday I'm gonna to have to do that on Fire and Water, like when Shag does like a whole firestorm synopsis, and he's, like, "What do you think of the comic?" I'm just gonna go, "Did it,
1: <laughs> That's next next who's who entry listing for yeah, right, know. yeah. There you go, perfect, perfect. Yeah, yeah. and it's something that you know I, I have mentioned with other guests, and we've kind of been talking about it. And um, back in episode seven, Rick Heineken and I were talking about like the the fact that Sam does these things for Diane, the fact that he is willing to go to. These you know art museums and festivals and and these things like that when it's not changing him like that that is the tragedy, that is the sadness for her is she wants to change him she wants him to become more a little bit more like Sumner a little bit more like herself a little bit more educated and erudite and it doesn't work it doesn't have that effect on him because he doesn't want to change himself and and maybe he's not even capable of it he's not going to that isn't going to have an effect so why does he go why does he subject himself to that because he likes spending time with her because yes. he she makes him feel good about himself whether it's physically or emotionally or whatever it is he just likes being with her and for sam that's enough at least for now we don't know how long this would have lasted if that was enough for her but it's for and it's good enough for sam and and that's why he's kind of he he's proven right in this episode when he's like you don't overthink our relationship we're together because we like each other it is that simple and it's not for her and that's ultimately one of the things that's going to be the driving the rift is is she wants him to change and he's incapable unwilling whatever and and he doesn't want her... he doesn't but he also he doesn't want her to change he doesn't want her to be more like sam or like norman cliff and carla he likes her for how different he is but because she just she just he likes her the way she is and and what she does for him if if she could have accepted that could they have found happiness and been together for, i mean how long can just that mutual sexual attraction sustain itself I don't know I don't I don't think it would have been forever but no well,
0: shag and I are going on eight years I mean I don't know <laughs> that's, true. Don't that's true
1: that's true no
0: I mean i've I've said before I think I said this on the the, the first episode where mm-hmm. it's the, the I think the 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 what makes this relationship so dynamic aside from the the writing and the directing and the, the acting is just Sam wants to be a and I don't want to use the word better. Uh, in a pejorative sense, that he is better than Norm or Clifford, but he he has a side to him that say Norman, Cliff, and the other guys don't. And he wants to he he brought, Diane is bringing that out in him. He doesn't necessarily want to go to look at uh, paint splotches, as he says in a later episode. But he has he he likes Diane for who she is, and he appreciates her. And he even though he doesn't get anything out of looking at you know the these paintings. He has that side to him that he is likes to exercise and she's doing that for him. And that's why he wants to spend time with her as opposed to just the parade of bimbos that, you know, uh, Dave or whatever brings in for him all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's what he's straining to do that. And she can't quite see that. And so she keeps pushing him further than where he's ready to go. And then, of course, as we see, uh, he's so charmingly. Lunkheaded. that when she pushes him he then sort of gets his back up and he has one of the great lines about hey, do not give me any ultimatums. You give me an ultimatum and we're through. I mean, the <laughs> good lord. That I, I hope when Earl Palman wrote that, he's like, I'm taking the rest of the day off. That's so brilliant. I'm just gonna go I'll go see a movie, guys. I'll be back tomorrow.
1: <laughs> uh, in terms of the guest cast for this episode obviously Harry the Hat, played by Harry Anderson we've mentioned. Um, Alan, the other tertiary barman, played by Alan Coss Uh, The two guys at the beginning who sell uh, Diane the Marvelous Marvin Hagler tickets, Uh, Phil Kepler is played by Kevin Rooney. He only has a few minor acting credits uh, looking at IMDb. He's much more accomplished for writing and producing TV shows, Hmm. although they all seem to come after this one. So maybe he was starting out as an actor and it just wasn't going for him, and he just kind of changed directions after this. Interesting. uh, the other guy among them, uh, Dave, who is blonde hair, played by Gerald Burns. Lots of small parts in movies and TV. Um, the one that I kind of keyed into because I remember it was Beverly Hills Cop. Um, he's one of the first cops in Beverly Hills who arrests Axel for getting thrown out of a effing oh. window. So. Uh, I got thrown out of an effing window. <laughs> what's, the, what's the charge for getting pushed out of a moving car? Jaywalking? <laughs> one of my favorite movies. It's a little known fact. The title of great movie, yeah. The title of this episode comes from the poem "How Do I Love Thee? Let Me Count the Ways" by Elizabeth Barrett Browning. We have heard that name before because that was the name of Diane's cat. Mm -hmm. Before any other thoughts on this one, before we get into the superlative categories.
0: Uh, I do want to mention one thing that I don't know if that's the work of director James Burroughs or someone else on the staff. But there is a nice little touch uh, that I thought really made this uh, episode extra special. And there are some other episodes of the show that have something similar that I think what makes the show heads and tails above most other stuff on television is when Sam tells Diane that he loves her. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and he has no idea that he has just <laughs> delivered a lightning bolt her, right? He has no clue because he says, I love you. And then he runs away back to go back into the the office to get his uh, suit jacket and his horrible tie that he's got on that really terrible, terrible tie. But anyway, she plops down into the chair by the little table, clearly completely knocked off her, uh, knocked off her, her heels, right? The audio for the conversation with Norm and the other guys where they start talking about the tickets plays over the shot of Diane still looking stunned. and I think it gives it's a nice visual cue that in that moment, Diane is in a completely different world of her own. like she's in a crowded bar filled with people, noise and action, all this stuff. but this thing I mean I think we probably all experience that, you know where you can be in a crowded room and something hits you it could be a good thing or a bad thing but just all of a sudden it's like a movie where all everything everybody becomes sort of like indistinct and all the sound becomes fuzzy because your brain is so focused on this one thing and I just love that touch that we hear the conversation of the next scene start to play while we're still watching essentially the previous scene I thought that was a really nice little visual a little AV thing to to throw in
1: I like that too yeah good call uh, okay, for Norm's tab, he had three beers this episode, which brings him up to 157 for the series thus far. <laughs> uh, Rob, who was your employee of the week? I think we've already mentioned it, and I don't think there's going to be much uh, discrepancy between our picks, but who did you have?
0: I I, I got to go with Alan. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, no, no. I mean, again, this is another one of Shelley Long. Just bringing it. Uh, and just all the little touches she does. Like she does that thing I told you about where she does a little curtsy, which is adorable because she's like a kid in class, you know, like, and she just knows that she just delivered a knockout book report, you know, mm-hmm. and she's like, thank you. I can almost see her doing that to Sumner. But I also love in the moment where, where we get one of the great setup punchlines ever in the, in the series, which is, you know, it's already midnight, Sammy. Oh, what kind of nut. She's not going to come in here, right? She doesn't just walk in. She walks in and like has her head bowed down a little bit like she's shy. She kind of knows that Sam doesn't want her there, but she can't help herself. Right. And so I love that that little bit of visual language where she just is like, "Hi everyone." And she's all kind of coy about it. I just and that's that's to me that's an actor's choice. You can't write that. And I just love that she she had that character so down that that's like yeah that's what Diane would do cuz she's simultaneously proud that she's there but also a little a little shy that she is there
1: i had i had Diane for the same reasons and something just kind of occurred to me they're dating they're also coworkers i mean he's her boss and when she comes back when she like sits down at the table while sam like runs off to to the office to kind of like come up with a reason Norm asks her if she went anywhere or something like that and I'm like occurring like the week that they took off like like she didn't come to the bar like they were completely separate like she wasn't like yes, yes. she wasn't working for him that week <laughs> what is what is this job that you can do that
0: I really should have put in an application when we stopped at the Cheers Bar at the <laughs> yeah. Buzzman Exo. It sounds like a great place to work. You don't have to show up a
1: whole lot. Absolutely. Either that or you're the only one who does. <laughs> you could have
0: been... I, well, that's true. I guess it depends on what kind of position you hold. And, and well, okay, I, I do want to admit there is one other great moment in this but I don't want to spoil till we get to it. So right. I'll let you continue.
1: Okay, well then, so so, what is your home run or your uh, your outstanding moment for the episode? Well, my, I've got a couple of lines, yeah.
0: My favorite bit is in an episode so heavily about about Sam and Diane they give Carla <laughs> the great button on the end of this show Very it's last like, one, yeah. Sam can't say he loves me and then there's this slow pause that she's like who can <laughs> it's like, boom it's <laughs> out I, I love it when the writers are generous like that and they because I mean it's like I'm sure that the the other actors as they saw when you're I, I would imagine when you're hired on to be what is presumably an ensemble show and then you see the show kind of breaking away from that because they've found this dynamic yeah. and you're like oh boy all of a sudden you know I'm not getting as much to do because everyone wants to see Sam and Diane it's kind of nice for the writers to be like all right let's give one of the one of the ancillary characters the perfect button on the end of this thing and it's just that's such a classic joke of just and that Diane, has no idea that what she's saying. You know, Sam can't say he loves me. She has no clue that, like how that sounds. Yeah, is, and, and, for... yeah, Rhea Perlman's delivery, where she doesn't even pull her her chin up out of her hand and just go, "Who can?" You know, it's <laughs>
1: perfect. I had to – um when they go back to the bar, when they're like – before Diane comes in, I think it's like it might even be before Carla comes in. They're sitting around the table and they're getting ready. For, they're looking at their like naked lady playing cards and Norm is like, you know what? You messed up. You shouldn't have said I love you. Women hear that and they think it's crazy. It's like, you know, you say I love you to a guy and it doesn't mean anything. He's like, go ahead. Say it to me. And Sam puts his hand on Norm's shoulder. He's like, Norm, I love you. And Norm just kind of looks at him slowly and goes – yeah, I was wrong. <laughs> just, like, gives him the eyes. And like, the reaction on Cliffy's face like Cliff thinks it's hilarious too. Um there's that and then back in the office when Diane confesses she's like uh, when he, and she's like I couldn't think of anything to in uh, I couldn't think of a reason for us together and Sam's like what were you talking about what was all that stuff she you were just saying. He's like, oh, I made it up. And she's like, it sounded good though, didn't it? And Sam's like I don't know, I wasn't paying attention.
0: That's, uh, you know, I will say that that line is like that makes me uncomfortable because, like, that's Sam being a jerk. Yeah. Like, come on, you're not even listening. Like, that's pretty, pretty bad. But I mean, that's, you know, I mean, she, again, she, Diane's forcing him to do something he's never going to be comfortable doing, which is analyzing something. I mean, it's right. just so not what he's into, though. So.
1: All right. Well, that was uh, "How Do I Love Thee?" Let me count the ways. Rob, thank you for being my guest on this episode. Where else can people hear you on the in the interwebs or the podcastosphere?
0: Well, of course, I'm right here on the network, and as I already plugged, they do my Pod Dylan show. Uh, if I could get Shelly Long on the show to talk about "Just Like a Woman," I would, but I just don't <laughs> know how to reach her, Shelly. If you're listening to this, I'd love to have you on the show. Uh, yeah, of course, and hey, I do a bunch you know of other what? hey, ditto, yeah. <laughs> I hope you I hope you just pointed at the screen when you I said did. that tip. I
1: did I pointed.
0: <laughs> yeah ditto uh no of course I'm here on the network I do a bunch of other shows with a bunch of other people so uh, yeah you can hear all my stuff here on firewaterpodcast.com
1: all right, well, thank you for being on the show, Rob. Thank you, as always, to the listeners for tuning in. You can support the show by liking or sharing on Facebook and Twitter, or you can leave a comment on the website at fireandwaterpodcast.com. You know you can also support the show financially. The Fire and Water Podcast Network is now on Patreon, and I want to give a special thanks to all of our patrons over there with an extra special shout-out to former guest Mike Gillis from Radio versus the Martians, who sponsors this show. For more information on how you can support the network in general, or this podcast in particular, visit patreon.com fwpodcasts. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and until next time, we're closed. She aches just like a woman. <laughs> we marry.
0: She's my friend.
1: Come on, Diane. I know you're up, Your candles are on.
0: What do you want? I want to come in. I think. (laughs) Easy. Hey, hey, hey. Wow, you're drunk.
1: Wow, you're stupid. (laughs) I'll be sober in the morning.